is Digital Marketer. Today, we have Dan Dillon and Laura Conway. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and today's episode is super cool because it's all about location, location, location. That's right. We're talking location-based marketing, geofencing, geoconquesting, all that cool stuff. I chatted with Dan Dillon, VP of Marketing, and Laura Conway, Marketing Manager at Reveal Mobile. Reveal Mobile is an incredible piece of marketing technology that can help you win more business, grow your audience, drive foot traffic, or online store traffic with location-based marketing and analytics. Y'all, this one is packed with cool ideas. And even better, we have an awesome swipe file you can download for free with 10 location-based marketing campaign ideas. You can find this at digitalmarketer.com forward slash offers or in the notes of this episode. And without further ado, let's meet Dan and Laura. Hello, Dan and Laura. Welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. Hey, Jenna. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have both of you. Before we dive into all this geolocation, conquesting, location-based marketing stuff, the stuff that you guys are experts at, I want to get like a little introduction about who you are and kind of where you where you started this journey and how you got here. So just really kind of high level, I've been doing digital marketing for well over a, a decade and have just evolved over, over the years from email to SEO to, you know, paid advertising. And now it's time to sort of be on the ad tech side. So Laura and I are having a great time doing geo, like you talked about, geo-targeted advertising or enabling geo-targeted advertising for brands, for agencies. And it is a uniquely sort of powerful technology. And we'll get into that later. But it's, oh, yeah. it's great fun to sort of be a part of now of how all of it works rather than just being a consumer of it. So that's kind of my quick quick and, and dirty version of my beginnings. I love it. Laura? And I'm more of a young buck here. We, I've, you know, done a couple different things, but this is um, the first time in this um, field. I've been with Reveal Mobile about a year and a half. So I'm like a, a young dog with new tricks kind of thing. So learning, you know, this really cool technology right out of the gate and seeing the power of it and speaking with agency leaders and other advertisers about it, you know, on a daily basis has been really cool to, you know, either take what they're doing to the next level or teach them something really new that's really powerful. Awesome. Well, I feel like in this episode, we can kind of talk to talk to those old dogs, those young bucks at the same time, you know, we can talk to the people who maybe they, they know, they know, they know the location-based marketing stuff. And maybe we can talk to them about even better things that you can do with it. Things they never thought possible or things they've seen people do and they just don't know how to get that result. And then we can also talk to the, the up and comers who are like, this exists, you know, they need a little mind expansion going on. So to get started, can you just explain what the heck this is? The way generally we think about location-based marketing is three legs on a stool. So you have the one leg, which is location 
based analytics, right? Information about a store or a retail location or an auto dealership or a theater or an amusement park, whatever sort of commercial, you know, storefront or, or rooftop you can imagine. Who goes to that location? How often do they go? Where else do they go? How long do they stay? Uh, do they come back? All the things you want to know about sort of what you what you have in, in the brick and mortar space. The second leg on the stool is audience building. So once you have insight into your analytics who's coming, you want to be able to address those people. You want to be able to message to those people, market to those people, and frankly, message to people beyond just your own store visitors or your own location visitors. And we'll get into that later. And then the third leg is attribution. So once you run media, once you run a, a paid campaign, you want to know what happened, right? And oftentimes what we see is that marketers need to wait. Like you run your campaign, it goes 30 days, and then after, you know, post-flight, you're now gathering data, aggregating it, synthesizing it, and figuring out what in the world happened. With location data, you don't need to wait. You can see mid-flight, uh, on day 12 or day two, whatever the case might be, who's showing up at the location I'm trying to drive traffic to? Because those phones or those devices are appearing in those locations. So that's really kind of an easy way to think about location-based marketing, sort of in those three, those three buckets. How, how would you kind of augment or add to that, Laura? Do you have any additional thoughts on that? Yeah. The only thing I think I really want to add is when it comes to attribution, you know, digital marketers are used to looking at their dashboards of for whatever platform they use, whether it's their DSP or Facebook ads manager. And what they see is click-through rates, CPM rates, open rates of their emails. But what they can't often see is how many people actually came into the store based on their ads. So it really ties the online activity with actual in-store foot traffic driving. Yeah, that's huge. I, I feel like that can be sometimes the difference between like branding marketing and direct response. And if you if you can't measure, then you would just consider it branding. Exactly. But if you can actually measure the foot traffic, now you are getting a direct response. You're getting actual physical people into your building. You know, this sounds like an incredibly important element for right now, for everything that this world is dealing with, everything that local businesses are dealing with. Would you guys agree with that? Absolutely. So one of um, the biggest things that we keep talking with our uh, customers about and what we're kind of trying to teach the whole market are a few different ways to get customers back into stores. And one of the beauties of location-based marketing is that you can look back um, up to an extended period of time. So you can retarget your visitors that were there before you shut down. So as things are slowly starting to reopen, you know, and foot traffic has been down, you know, across categories for months, you know, those audiences may not be very large, but in order to you know, capture the people that you know are loyal customers from before, you can look back and you can grab the visitors, you know, from July to December last year. So that way you can, you know, bring them back in. Um, you can also look at people who have visited similar locations or something that would tie like an affinity for your brand together too. So, you know, if you're Patagonia or REI or some kind of outdoor equipment, you might want to target people who have been visiting parks and trails and hiking, you know, throughout this time while things were closed. We're also kind of thinking about it out of the box too, like if you're a brand that sells new furniture or home decor or even 
you know, paint. If you're Home Depot and you want to sell new paint, you can geotarget people who are going to U-Haul locations or any other kind of truck truck rental locations because those people are moving. So they're probably going to need new things for their new apartment or their new home. So when you think about it in those different kinds of ways, it's a really powerful tool. Yeah. I I feel like the, the word people keep using is uncertain. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this adds those elements of certainty. Yeah, that's um, a really great point. Yeah, like the, I'm sure the, you know, my first thought goes to if you have people that were loyal customers and you haven't seen them, that the creative you use might be changing to give them give them some kind of certainty. Dan, I know this is something that that you were kind of talking about before. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, you bring up a really interesting point about the, the word uncertainty. If you were to do like a quick LexisNexis search on words used in the media today, I'm sure the first one would be the, the second one would be is or are. And then the fourth or the third and fourth would be uncertain and challenging. Like those <laughs> are the words everybody is using in every single news story we're all listening to or reading. And to your point, Jenna, the location data that marketers can use to run these campaigns is better known as precise location data. So Mm. uh, if you have a question about, you know, are they really crossing the threshold into my Starbucks or did they really come on this date? The data that that flows in and out of the technology that that we, we play with every day is deterministic, which means it's not extrapolated. It's not guesswork. It's not estimated. It's actual opted in devices that showed up within a building's footprint, or even in the case of drive-through, a building's parking lot, or in the case of, you know, curbside delivery, maybe a shopping center parking lot. So you can geofence. The interesting part is you can geofence any uh, geographic location. It doesn't need to be a retail store. And you can see all the devices that have flowed into into that space. So to Laura's point, it really brings a creative element to an otherwise, you know, deterministic sort of uh, certain, like you're saying, measurable act of marketing. So it, it's kind of marrying those two those two worlds, which is which is a lot of fun. Yeah, I honestly I can't think of a better antonym for uncertain. I mean, obviously, other than certain, but I feel like precise just takes it like this whole new level. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's a ter- that's a term that's used in the industry. We're not making that up. You can you can Google precise location data, and it's often known as PLD. So these are things that are that are leveraged today by marketers. And if you're not familiar with how to leverage precise location data, you know there's any number of white papers in, in the in the world that you can read or, or vendors you can learn from. So as we're as we're talking, I'm I'm going through. I'm looking at you know what you guys have created these ten location based marketing campaign ideas, and we've already talked about the brick and mortar stores. But there's another aspect, and you mentioned it with building your audience and using Facebook and Google geotargeting. Tell me more about that. So Facebook and Google have some geotargeting tools built in, but they're pretty broad. So good ways to use the tools that are involved there are if you have like a market-specific either product or chain. So um, one of the examples that we use in the white paper is um, Purple Mattress, their direct-to-consumer mattress brand. And they ran an ad for their new cooling technology mattress, but they ran it in hot weather climates. So specifically in Phoenix, where it's hot year round. 
So where it may not make sense to advertise to somebody who lives in like Northern Michigan or Boston or New Hampshire, you know, in the middle of the winter, they, they chose something like that. But if you want to get more specific when it comes to, you know, geolocation, you do need a, another vendor to find, you know, visitors to specific locations. So while Facebook and Google have like their free tools that are, that come along with the, with their free platforms that you can geotarget like zip codes or cities or states in order to find true location-based marketing or location-based audiences, um, you need a third party in order to capture visitors to specific locations. So in this case, I want to dive deeper into what Reveal Mobile can actually do because, you know, we've kind of talked about why it's important. We talked about what you can do with it, but like take us into the technology side of it. So one of the easiest ways to think about our technology is through concrete use cases, like actually how do people use this and what have they seen happen as a result of their usage? And let me describe a campaign for you that, that was really powerful and impactful for a quick serve restaurant called Moe's. For those of you in a part of the country that doesn't have Moe's, if you have a Chipotle or a Taco Bell, then you know what I'm talking about. So Moe's is known for a particular menu item. People love it. They, they, they get a lot of traffic from it. And there was a competitor on the scene who was introducing a new menu item that was supposed to be a direct alternative to that, to that appetizer. And so Moe's knew that they had their you know, work cut out for them. And they wanted to retain their diners. They wanted to retain people who were already eating at Moe's. And frankly, they thought they might be able to win some new diners as well because the awareness was being created from this competitor. So they ran a campaign that asked people to download their mobile app, and inside that app was a coupon. Now, what does that have to do with location-based marketing? What do you, you ask? Great question. The audience they invited to download the app and to use that coupon for that menu item was a geofenced audience. So to build that audience of, you know, let's say 20,000 people, most geofenced all their own restaurants. So they knew they had a loyal diner in those locations. They also geofenced their direct competitors in the same geographic market. Chipotle, Qdoba, these are other quick serve restaurants, you know, Tex-Mex restaurants. And then they also geofence Mexican restaurants in, in the area as well, just to make sure they, they had a, a complete audience. And they look back, like Laura was talking about, they look back several months to get a good sized audience that they could, they could address. So they were going to take people that they knew were in market for their food or for food just like theirs and, and market to those people specifically. So they took that audience out of our product, Visit Local, and they took it, it's all anonymized location data, and they uploaded it into Facebook using Facebook's custom audiences feature. And this is something you do, I'm sure, as a marketer all the time, right? You build custom audiences. So they took our mobile ad IDs from Visit Local, uploaded it as a custom audience, and they got about an 85% match rate. So that means of the 20,000 people they uploaded, some 17,000 of them had accounts on Facebook. So now Moe's is targeting people on Facebook that they knew had either visited their restaurants or were likely to visit their restaurants, asking them to download the app. And what they see happen, a 67% increase in app downloads for that audience compared to other audiences that they utilized to, to make that same offer. So, you know, upwards of a two thirds increase in conversions for the desired action, just knowing that they had location data sort of at their back. So it's a really interesting way to think about in market, uh, buyers or shoppers uh, relative to 
any use case, e- even the download, you know, the download of, of an app for a coupon. It's not just, you know, come to our store and, and buy our paint, which is also a great use case, but it can be used for e-commerce purposes, uh, app downloads, obviously shopping and buying. So it's, it's, a, it's a unique technology in that it is limited, and this is a little bit cliche, but it's limited only by your imagination. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm already coming up with so many different ideas. I don't even have a business and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I need to, I need to open my shop. I mean, what you're saying is, you know, when you are looking at Facebook, you have, you have interests and you have pixel information, you know, the websites they visited, you know, you have your own information about if they bought, but you don't have like, there is a specific kind of interest for you to go physically to a place for you to physically want to buy some shoes rather than just, I don't know, you're bored, someone sent you a link and now you're looking at shoes. Like the the highly qualifiedness <laughs> words, you know, like it can't be understated. And the and you call this geoconquesting? That's right. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, geoconquesting would be the the word used to describe growing your market share by taking customers from other similar businesses. So Moe's wanted to steal Chipotle diners. That's a geoconquesting campaign. Okay. So, you know, we're talking about all the different ideas of things you could do. Laura, I feel like you touched on so many different things. I'd love to hear another deep dive of like a, a case study where things are relevant. You know, you know, they search for, like I was talking about shoes, you know, they search for shoes and now they're, you know, looking at plane tickets. So, you know, they need a dress or something like that. Yeah. Um, Something kind of interesting that's another specific case study that we have is uh, we have this company that was working with one of like the lobbyist groups for a political campaign. This, our, our customer was trying to drive a yes vote for legalizing sports betting online in the specific state. And the goal on the other side of that was that the the taxes collected from the sports betting would help maintain like the water supply in the state. So what they did was they geo-targeted sports arenas during sports games in order to capture sports fans and then deliver them advertising about what they were trying to accomplish. So essentially what they were thinking was people who enjoy watching sports go to the sporting events, which means that they would likely want to bet on the sports. So then they uh, were serving them information and, and trying to convince them to vote yes for this. And ultimately it did pass with a clear margin. So they, you know, they thought creatively about connecting the dots between sports fans, sports betting and a yes vote, which I think is really pretty interesting when you put it all together. Laura, I think that's super cool. That's amazing that that you can reach specific types of people like that. What about people that are buying things online? So we're talking to a lot of digital marketers. Maybe they don't have a brick and mortar. How can we make this relevant? Yeah, it's a great question, especially how things are exacerbated by no one leaving their house or no one going to stores, right? Or fewer, I should say, fewer people going to stores or no one going to gyms or movie theaters. This goes back to what Laura was talking about relative to finding locations that your audience has an affinity for or that your audience has visited in the past because they, they need shoes, to your, to your example, Jenna. 
let's say you're an online shoe store, you're an online mattress store, you're an online eyeglass, any, any sort of consumer retail item can be sold, obviously, to people who visited uh, brick and mortar locations that sell the exact same product. So if you're selling you know, eyeglasses, if you're, if you're Zenny or if you're Warby Parker, you want to go geofence all the optician corners of Target and, you know, you mm. can go custom geofences in this, in Visit Local and, and, and Target just the corner of the store where the optician lives and works. Or you want to geofence all of the lens crafters or you want to geofence all of the local opticians in, in Sacramento, whatever the case might be. So the application of the technology is, is really manifold in that, in that if you have product A, you can go geofence locations A1, A2, A3, and A4 that effectively compete with what you're trying to sell exclusively online. Or if you wanted to, you could augment your own your, your own offer online by by targeting your physical locations that are closed today. And to Laura's point earlier, look back six months to when people were coming to those stores and then maintain them as clients or maintain them as customers and move them into an online purchasing posture. And these people are down funnel. You're not talking about top of funnel people. They've either made a purchase or they've shown material intent by coming to your store in the past. So these are way down funnel prospects, leads, potential customers, call them what you want, that are more likely to buy than you know maybe another, another purchased audience. Yeah. Something to add to what Dan was saying too is that um, you can capture people that are maybe a casual shopper or that they you haven't captured their and you know their information yet. So I know that a lot of auto dealerships focus on trying to get, you know, name, email, phone number from people who walk in the door. But what about the people that are just kind of browsing through the lot and looking at, you know, the 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 sheets on the windows or if they're coming in, you know, and maybe your salespeople are too busy to actually have a conversation with them, but these people have stopped on your lot. So they're clearly in market for a car, you know, you can turn around really quickly and just look back over the last seven days to capture the people that, you know, and advertise to these people that have been on your lot that you can't send an email to because you don't have their email and, you know, their email information. So it just kind of takes it a step farther. What would you do to probably begin capturing those email addresses of people who who show intent like that? Gosh, I think, I mean, the, the old newsletter is, is, is certainly tried and true. So if you had an audience you wanted to engage and, and, you know, retain through just ongoing communications or ongoing special offers, we all get stuff into our inbox every day that tells us to go, you know, capitalize on an offer or receive a discount. Those are great ways to build email address databases for, for your online e-commerce company or, or if you're a brick and mortar company. For sure, it's the same campaign as the Moe's app download. Yeah, your your call to action is not buy this. The call to action is go sign up for this thing. Um, so it's a very similar sort of call to action. That's super cool. So on on the website, you know, we talked about the the three stool legs, and one of the one of the stools was the data. And I'm looking at your website, and you talk about data enrichment, which seems huge. Yep. What does that mean? So an easy way to think about that is how big is your addressable audience and how much influence do they have over the desired action you want them to take? One of the ways that we empower marketers is by giving them the the largest number of in-market decision makers 
as, as is available on the market today. So let me give you a concrete example. You are at home with your partner or your spouse, whoever it may be, your roommate, and you're talking about buying a new sofa. You've had an old sofa for a long time. It's, it's tattered and you need to replace it. Gosh darn it. You don't do that alone, right? You talk to your partner, you talk to your roommate, you decide what works for the room, what you like, what you don't like. It's a conversation. But only one of you goes to the store to make the purchase, right? You've been shopping mm. a lot. You've been going to rooms to go. You've been going to this furniture store, that furniture store. One of the things we empower you to do with, with reaching that furniture shopper is also reach all the devices that share that household. So if you've been to a furniture store, we now can we now can enable marketers to message to your partner or your roommate or your spouse, whoever the case might be, so that he or she also receives ads for rooms to go or wh- whatever brand you might be, you know, in, in market for. So that when he sits down or she sits down with you and has the conversation about the sofa they really like, they've conveniently been served an ad that entices them to think about that product in particular, even mm-hmm. though they never set foot in that store they're now seeing offers for a product that they have on on their mind. So it's a great way to think about uniting the conversation between two people inside of a house or more than maybe two people inside of a house, if there's somebody, another adult, a grandmother, what have you. So you're reaching everybody who has a say in what to buy and then where to buy it. Yeah. I love that too, because I just bought a couch and it shouldn't all have to be my decision. I shouldn't have to do all the work. <laughs> so really you're helping us. <laughs> That's right. Good one. <laughs> so I'm sure hearing hearing this, some people might be thinking, is this legal? Am I allowed to do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know it is, but is this legal? Yes. So we we take <laughs> privacy very, very seriously. And we advise people to really look into how, you know, their provider handles security and privacy and opt-outs whenever they're searching for location data. Now, we are members of several different organizations that set the gold standard for, you know, for privacy. And in order to be a member with them, we submit to annual audits and, and, you know, we sign agreements with them that we won't target or that we won't allow our customers to target sensitive locations. So rehab facilities, oncology offices, even Planned Parenthood locations, you cannot geotarget sensitive locations. We also Mm -hmm. honor all iOS and Android opt-outs. So if you have been sharing location on your phone and then you opt out of sharing location on your phone, we don't, you no longer show up in our audiences. So we completely honor all of those. We're also completely CCPA compliant. The, you know, California passed a law that you um, have to, that just has to do with more opting in in California for their residents. But we've taken that, we treat that as if that's a federal law and we just apply it to all of our data. So we, like I said, we just, we take it really seriously and we also, it's completely anonymized data. So the data that we have and that we give to our customers when they download audiences out of our program is just a string of numbers and letters. There's no mm. identifying information there. There's no phone number. There's no email address. There's no gender information. There's no name. There's no nothing. It's literally just a string of numbers and letters that identify your phone as something to deliver advertisement to. Wow. That's amazing too. And I'm sure there's, you know, that's 
good to hear for a lot of people because with GDPR and CCPA and, you know, all these new protections coming out, it's like, if they're, if they're trying to make this go, you know, if they're trying to make this business happen on their own and they're not a lawyer, <laughs> like they'd have, they have to make the right steps and make the right choices. And this just makes it so easy that you guys take care of all that stuff. We're kind of getting to the end of, end of the time. And before I ask you the final question that I ask everybody that I ask on the podcast, their first time on the podcast, I want to know where people can find out more about y'all, where people can, you know, go check out the 10, 10 campaign ideas for location-based marketing and, and yeah, where they can reach out to you if they want to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Revealmobile.com is the website you want to check out. And we are running demos all the time. So as you might imagine, hearing what you heard today, people want to see it. They want to see how it works and what does it do and is it real? It's totally real. It's totally real. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's totally not expensive. So you hear all these stories and you think, gosh, that sounds hard and that Mm. sounds pricey. We have actually chosen to go to market and to democratize access to, to precise location data. So we are actually catering to, you know, the, the SMB, the, the small agency, the mid-sized agency, the mid-sized brand. So it's easy to get in. And, you know, we, lo- we love doing demos. So if you want to see it, touch it, smell it, all that, hit us up and we're happy to do that. You can get the white paper that, that you mentioned, Jenna, on digitalmarketer.com. So you can also get a copy of that. And there's 10, 10 campaigns you can steal right now. Yeah. Steal them, take them. Right. Yeah. And then take a demo so you can see, so you can do it. Right on. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my final question for you, Lauren Dan, and this is like, you can take this professional or human, however you want to take it. If you could go back in time and tell yourself that you, before you started this marketing journey, you could tell yourself anything at all, knowing what you know now, about life, about marketing, about geoconquesting, what would you tell yourself and why? I wish I bought like Facebook stock a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> that super counts. Listen, if if like Biff did it in Back to the Future. <laughs> right? I actually just watched that movie the other day. I I've seen the first Back to the Future tons of times but I actually never seen the second or third so my husband and I watched all three of them over like two days recently we just went to a drive-in theater where we watched back to the future oh that's fun so that's why it's on the brain yeah totally was it at a Walmart no it was it was just a local drive-in theater in Austin but I did see Walmart's doing that super cool yeah yeah Another thing that you could do location-based marketing with, those are people that want to watch a movie, just yeah. sitting in their cars. Amazing. Mm-hmm. They're all there. They're waiting for you. So if I if I had to go back in time and tell myself one really important thing about this professional journey as a marketer, I would tell myself to just ship. Mm. And wow. what I mean by that is don't wait don't be cautious. Don't worry about all the risks you can't control. Just put something out into the world and then see what happens. Don't do harm, obviously. Don't run roughshod. 
used good judgment, which is not necessary to tell my younger self because my younger self also had good judgment. <laughs> but what what I think is important is just you just need to go for it and 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 test and then keep trying because version two is always better than version one. I love that. That's a really good lesson. A lot of people are like, Dan, you know, like they, they know, they know they need to just do it. They just need to press send. They just need to make it live. That's right. Y'all listening. Listen to Dan. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Well, you guys, this was so awesome. Thank you so much for, for giving me some of your time and like giving everyone, giving everyone the business on what's up with location-based marketing. It's been a ton of fun. Thanks, Jenna. Yeah, good. And to you out there listening right now, thank you so much for a little bit of your day each week. It means so much to us. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Goodbye. Hey, DM listeners. If you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up. Because Digital Marketer just released our Canva Holiday Promo Pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.